Hey everybody, welcome back to the Elevated Project Podcast. I am Mike Costelli. This will be episode number 48. Today, Christine, Jamie, and myself talk about reverse dieting, expectations from clients, what is the potential rate of lean muscle gain, and how do you go about optimizing that, and a variety of other topics. We get into all sorts of different stuff. I hope you guys enjoy. Thanks for listening. Hey everybody, this is Mike Costelli. As you may or may not know, I'm the founder and owner of Nova3 Labs, which produces some of the best and cleanest supplements for performance, health, and longevity. As a thank you for listening to The Elevated Project, I'd like to offer you an unlimited discount on purchases. Use the code ELEVATED15 at the checkout, and you'll get 15% off any order, anytime. Thank you for listening. Like posing suits look really, really good when you're really lean, when you're <laughs> stage lean, N- not necessarily when I'm doing check-in pictures to is, me. Is that right? why you were mad this morning? No, I wasn't mad this morning. Hey everybody. Welcome back to the Elevated Project podcast. I am Mike Costelli and with me, I have Jamie Granville and Christine Andali. And it has been a while since we did a podcast together, just the three of us. Yeah, it has. Yeah, it has. the last one we did? I don't know. The last one we, you guys talked to John Meadows. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, was, I was in the slave cave working. That was such a good hall. one. That was a great one. We got lots of comments on that. I don't know when the last time is we talked. Just I got lots of comments on that. Like people from my hometown, like being like, that guy's freaking awesome. I'm like, I know. Yeah, he's so charismatic. So mm-hmm. um, we're lucky to have him on. But today, I guess we're, today we're going to field some questions. Um, a little while back, a couple of days ago, I guess, Christine, you had asked me, you're like, hey, what are we going to talk about? And I think we had discussed talking about client progress, whether it's like fat loss or muscle gain. And we kind of were both in agreement. We're like, yeah, that's a good one. We always get lots of questions on that. There's lots of misconceptions from clients about that. And then I fired out something on my Instagram, just like, hey, what do you guys want to talk about? So I got a few people requesting some topics and they're kind of all related it's basically on muscle gain and that kind of thing so why don't we why don't we start there when we start talking about muscle gain everyone not everybody wants to gain muscle but but um i don't know what uh what do you think is the here i'm just going to throw this out there for both of you what do you think is the average rate of muscle gain in the average population if that's their goal that's well, it depends. Like it, it depends. <laughs> it depends. It always depends. That's, yeah. the, that's, the, that's the catch-all answer. Yeah. What does it depend on? Well, Jamie? It depends on like if they're a beginner, like if they've never lifted weights before. If they never lifted, I can't hear her at all. If they've hear. never lifted weights before. You might have to hold that up. You still can't hear me. It's very faint. Oh. Sorry. Um. Because yeah, I can't talk any louder. <laughs> no, um, you have like a. Yeah. cap on your volume so yeah, I, never, so, I, I never get yelled at so it, i mean it like it depends because if someone is um a beginner then they are going to basically look at a barbell and put on yeah up. so when then you get people who are um, more advanced who've been lifting for a long time who already possibly have a huge amount of lean mass um they're going to it's going to take a lot longer totally. yeah. to put on um put on more muscle yes so 
Yeah. And I mean, I hit a plateau at a certain point. On a quick, if anybody's out there doing this, a, a quick Google search on that yeah. will basically explain exactly what Jamie just said. It's like beginners, you throw a barbell and a ham sandwich at them, they're going to gain new body. And, and we, regardless of your training style, and we'll talk about training styles, it plays a huge role in this. Regardless of your training style, we see that all the time when we have new clients and they're getting recomposition. It's like their weight's staying the same, performance is going up usually, um, and their body composition's changing where they're accumulating lean body mass, but they're losing body fat. And they're like, oh my God, my clothes fit different. Oh, you know, Karen says I look better, but the scale's fucking with my head. And it's like, that's, you're losing body fat, you're putting on lean body mass. And with beginners, yeah. it happens really quickly. And then, I mean, I'd, I have to throw in here though about, um, because you know how we talk about that people often think that they're, they train with more intensity than they actually train with. It also comes down to that when people can think that whether they're beginner, intermediate or advanced when it comes to lifting. So you can still have lifted for like 15 years, but your technique might be, might be complete shit. And so you're still a beginner. This is a right. crazy tangent. Yeah. Kind of crazy tangent. But I'm just meaning that someone can still have lifted for 15 years and not really put on a lean mass because they haven't trained properly. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. People spin yes. their wheels for a long time if they're, if they're doing stuff wrong. Right. Yeah. yeah. I so guess I just wanted to throw that in there too. <laughs> You've had some experience with that lately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. It's a little frustrating sometimes. That was almost a topic for another day. Yeah. Is like proper training intensity. Mm -hmm. I don't want to even, yeah. I'll go off on a total tangent if I start on that too. Yes. Um, what about your thoughts? it's same same like yeah. i've i have a client a male client who's been with me for a year and a half and we've put on like six seven pounds in a year and a half yes so. and so that right there i believe is very typical right? yeah and you, mean, you can break it down to the science of like okay how much is water how much is body fat Especially if you're in a caloric surplus. And I mean, we should talk about the food. Yeah, no, we've had to go into like this past, like it's been probably six months. We've been in a pretty significant surplus. Right. Um, and we've seen a lot of like good results that way um, mm -hmm. in the past six months. And that's something that I think a lot of people like overlook mm -hmm. is like <laughs> calories. Yeah. Yes. And I mean, I could so. So Ashley asked a question about muscle gain and she sent me some screenshots on Instagram and they disappeared, but it was, she had a conversation with somebody about what is the rate of muscle gain. So that's why we're talking about this. And then Veronica asked a very complex question with a lot of details about Metcons to burn fat while protecting muscle, which is interesting. Um, the length, the work to rest ratio, lactic or not rep range, basically in CrossFit, can you gain lean body mass? Um, before we get into that, that client that you were talking about, what kind of training is he doing? CrossFit. Oh, interesting. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a really interesting topic to talk about when we're talking about gaining lean body mass. Um, and this is something I, I seem to, I always seem to sound like a broken record, but bodybuilders look like bodybuilders because they train like bodybuilders, right? CrossFit is not a sport designed for hypertrophy no. in any way, shape, or form. And even if you're doing, you're like, oh, but my gym does a strength cycle. 
I'm like, yeah, but you're not continually working in with the goal of hypertrophy in mind. It's like CrossFit's a performance-based sport. They want you to go faster. They want you to be strong. That's really what it comes down to. Right? And um, you're not usually working in the rep ranges. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. to, to like to build lean. Yeah. Mass, and really right? what's, so once again, hands, but what is the classic rep range for hypertrophy? Eight to 15. Yeah. Eight to 12, eight to 15 for yeah. sure. Right. Um, and it's a lot of like rinse and repeat. Yeah. And doing the same movements over and over. Yep. To break down that muscle tissue and to build it back up. Right. So what I found from coaching point of view is that Yes, you know what? There's there's going to be people who put on awesome amounts of lean body mass doing CrossFit without a doubt. Especially if you come into it having not really having any, if you've never done any any type of like like resistance training before. Yeah. Of course, you're going to put on lean mass. Yes. Right. Like yeah. you come in and you're like a wet noodle. <laughs> when you start lifting weights, then of course you're going to build some muscle. Your body's yeah, but but still. Um, from the CrossFit standpoint, like it's going to be way harder. Like personally, yeah. I came into CrossFit as a wet noodle, like yeah. no muscle, barely. Really? And it took, yeah. Like you should see the pictures of me. It's crazy. Um, my arms literally are like so small anyways, same with my legs. Um, it took me like from the beginning of me going into CrossFit to me actually competing at a high level um it took me about four years to actually see some like legitimate muscle yeah yeah i mean i have a i have a blog post which i've recirculated and re-edited numerous times and and it's it's entitled progress it's going to take me longer than you think and it's not specifically about gaining body mass and it, i guess it's about leaning out gaining body mass but really it's over the course of like, I don't have it in front of me, but it's like from, I got pictures from like 2004 up to like 2021. Mm -hmm. And it's like, so we're talking like 15 plus years. And then yeah. you can see the difference, especially in that post. I sort of highlight, you know, during this picture, this is what I was doing. During this picture, this is what I was doing. I was doing, you know, dot com, you know, box programming. This is when I had individualized programming this is when i quit doing crossfit and started doing bodybuilding and you can actually see the changes in there right? mm -hmm. and for the amount of time i was doing crossfit it's like yeah i got faster and i definitely got strong for sure um but i didn't actually put on a lot of lean body mass right a lot of that had to do with my diet too yeah something we really haven't talked about and after, for, for many years i was doing you know the classic paleo it was like you know, me too. <laughs> obnoxious amounts of protein, obnoxious amounts of yeah. fat. And, oh my God, don't even touch any carbs but sweet potatoes. And really, it was when I completely changed my diet that all of a sudden, oh, you know, my body weight started to yeah. go up because I was eating carbohydrates. And with that comes the insulin response that is very anabolic and synergistic with my protein intake. Um, but it was when I actually stopped doing CrossFit that things really changed from a body composition point. Yeah. And no longer was I fitnessing for time. I was like, hey, I want to look good naked. Yeah. Totally different goals. Totally different goals. Same. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think, I know I struggle with that with clients because a lot of clients really like doing CrossFit. They love it. They love the mm -hmm. aspect. They love 
fitnessing for time, but they have primary body comp goals. And it's just like, it doesn't mean you can't get there, but it just, it's just really, really hard to create yourself. Yeah, I know it's that's kind of a bit of a tangent there. Um, I know that you had mentioned someone that someone had said something about metcons to burn fat. Ooh, yeah. Okay, so um, first off, metcons shouldn't be used to burn fat. Yeah, so, this, I mean, that's not the purpose of them. No. Like, if you were to ask a CrossFit coach, someone who does programming, why did they program a metcon? Because it's fun. What? <laughs> but what is the purpose behind it? Well, I mean, so yeah. <laughs> like, if you want to burn fat, there's a whole bunch of other things that you can do that are far more. Well, CrossFit is a worrying about space. Yeah. Word. Totally. That's just it. I, yeah. That's what, that's just what I was getting at is that a Metcon yeah. is, it's not like, you know, coach Castelli isn't like, Oh, I'm going to program this Metcon to so like burn fat. The fat um, burning Metcon. The fat burning Metcon. <laughs> no, like that no. comes from like, if, if, if that's your goal, then that's not, you wouldn't do a Metcon. Yeah. I, I think I know what she's asking in here though. So um, I'm going to make some assumptions. So let's talk about steady state cardio versus high intensity interval training. Yeah. And what do the studies show on, I guess, fat burning capabilities of both? Now, what do the studies show is one thing, and I don't have PubMed in front of you. I know what that says. What have we seen from an experiential point of view when it comes to fat loss? What is, what is the number one thing that matters? Movement. Calories. And? Nutrition. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> protein. <laughs> so three things. Yes, I like all of those. So yeah. <laughs> movement and nutrition and protein right protein can Actually, be I'm gonna, I'm, i don't mean just like just any movement so like non-exercise activity thermogenesis yep. and nutrition yeah those are actually what count yes, yes. totally yeah. yeah so um the question and it'll be a question till the end of time is which is better high intensity interval training or steady state cardio um you know there's lots of studies that have shown that high intensity interval training is I guess, better from a caloric expenditure point of view. Um, and I'm not going to argue that. So if we take a look at like, let's say steady state cardio, and I'm just going to pick some numbers. Let's say I do 30 minutes of steady state cardio at 60% of rate of perceived exertion on the treadmill. And I'm going to burn, I'm just pick a number. I'm going to burn 100 calories. And then I do 30 minutes of interval training and whether that's mixed modal training or whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, and let's say I burn... Uh, 120 calories. Now it's like, oh, so the studies show that high intensity interval training is better because there's more caloric expenditure. But, and here's the big but, how does that affect you as far as recovery and yeah. ability to rinse and repeat right. and train day after day, again and again and again? And this is the reason that I, from a personal point of view, I really like steady state cardio at like lower intensities because it's non-taxing. It's like, I can right. weight train six days a week and if I throw in three to four sessions of 30 minutes on the assault bike and not blow my brains out assault bike, but like 30 minutes of like steady state, it doesn't affect anything other than it's a tool to enhance my caloric expenditure. Well, and I think it's like, I'm, of course, society is like, oh, I need to find the most extreme way <laughs> yes. and I have to feel like I'm going to die after I do whatever type of training I'm doing. Otherwise it's not effective. Yeah. And it's like, um, I mean, I definitely subscribed to that in the past, yep. right? I think, we all, I think we all have, like even before I did CrossFit, yeah. 
even in my early years of like competing, mm-hmm. like, and before that, it was like, if I'm not in a pile on the floor, then has my training session, is it effective? And I think lots of people still subscribe to that mentality. And so when it comes to cardio, it's like, okay, um, if I can do something so that it doesn't wreck me now, I'm like, I'm going to pick the stuff that doesn't wreck me. Yeah. Like I, it's, it's for me, it's like time to, well, when it does increase my cardiovascular capacity, but I can listen to a podcast or I can like learn stuff while I'm doing it, as opposed to like, what can you do if you're doing like sprints on the treadmill? Nothing besides hope that you're not going to (laughs) die. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, a lot, I think like you guys are talking about, you know, the high intensity, depending of how like stress an individual is right. can cause more issues. Um, but also like it depends on adherence too. like, if you've only got like a certain amount of time and you know, you don't have like 30, 40 minutes to do a longer session, then maybe you switch it up. You do some interval training. Um, you know, that's something that I look at too, but I do like the low intensity. Yeah. And I think I don't disagree with that too. It's like, okay, if I had to pick one or the other and I only had 30 minutes in that day to do something, um, you know, what would I pick? Well, you know, there's nothing wrong with picking high intensity interval training, right? Mm-hmm. If that's the only thing you're going to do that day, um, it's not like, it, I'm not saying it's bad at all, right? But is it superior? I don't believe it's superior no. at all, right? But I think, I think a lot of people think that rate of perceived exertion equates to results mm-hmm. and it doesn't just because something's really fucking hard doesn't mean it's better for you. Right. And we've seen this time and time again, when, you know, you'll have that client and they're like, they're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, I had three, seven minute AMRAPs and you know, I was totally destroyed at the end of that time. I'm like, okay, that's awesome. Cause you've worked for 21 minutes. You know, here's your golf clap, but that's not, a lot of caloric expenditure in 21 minutes, although your RPE is still totally through the roof. So that's where it doesn't line up with efficacy. Um, you know, Veronica's asking about lots of details on like length, work to rest ratio, lactic, not lactic, um, rep range, heart rate. Um, I, I think we've kind of answered that in the fact that, you know, I don't think there's one method of like metabolic conditioning that is superior to another. If I had to pick one, so if I was like pinned down and she's like, answer my fucking question, um, I'd say if you're going to do mixed modal work, do it in the range of like 20 to 30 minutes so that it's sustainable, so that you're continually moving for 20 to 30 minutes. What would that mean? That would mean it would be aerobic. Right. Right. (laughs) So if you're doing like ab mat sit-ups and Mm -hmm. rowing and don't know, um, power, power snatches, kettlebell swings. Do it so you don't have to stop. Right. And if you don't have to stop in that 30 minutes, and this is a huge generalization, it probably means it's aerobic. And that's probably your aerobic training right there. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, for all of that too, that she asked, I mean, it always comes down to like what your goal is. So if she, if she was coming to me and like wanted to do bodybuilding, we wouldn't do any of that anyways. <laughs> no. Right. Like I, I, it it just, it wouldn't be conducive to what her, if it was an aesthetic goal, none of that would be conducive to it anyways. Right. Like a, a rep range heart rate, like, well, yeah. Yeah. So it just, yeah, none of that really applies. So, I mean, I am not a performance programmer, so I could, Mm -hmm. I I mean, you could 
we could get Mike fit, fit. come on and oh, talk yeah. about that for probably two hours, Easily. right? Totally. But yeah. <clears throat> um, did we really did we really finish answering your question on the whole um, muscle gain thing? Well, we haven't talked about food. No, we haven't really talked about food. Okay, so. Hey everybody, thanks for listening so far. I hope you guys are enjoying this. I want to take a little break for an advertisement from one of our sponsors, Relief. A big shout out to my sponsor at Relief Natural Wellness. As most of you are aware, CBD has been trending for a hot minute. Now, we all know what happens when something is crazy popular. Everyone wants to make a quick buck, and this means a lot of cheap, ineffective, and low-quality products on the market. CBD has become super popular for good reason. It is a great all-natural option for treating a variety of conditions like pain, inflammation, sleep, stress, mood, and digestion issues. Relief Natural Wellness is a Canadian company, and they've built their brand on quality. They use only the highest quality Canadian-grown hemp for a variety of products, ranging from topical to tinctures, and complete third-party lab testing on all CBD to demonstrate potency and purity. This is so important for anyone who might be subject to drug testing for THC in occupation or in sport. Their testing provides comfort knowing you'll pass those tests, and they even sponsor athletes and retain many customers who do routinely undergo drug testing. Relief sets himself apart from the plethora of CBD products with their evidence-based formulas. This combines specifically selected essential oils to elevate the benefits of CBD, just another reason why their products really are more effective than other CBD products you might find on the market. So don't buy your CBD at a gas station. Hit up www.yourrelief.com for your next online purchase. Use Jamie10 in the checkout for a discount. I mean... Calories and protein, really. Yeah. So the other thing, though, with it is I don't think that people, and I can speak from this from experience, when people are wanting to put on lean mass and they're doing like a bulk or if that's what they want to call it, or like building is they don't actually monitor enough, um, the calories that they're intaking that they are have for intake or their fat gain. What are you trying to say? You're saying they're eating too much? Well, that they don't like people just think that it's like, Oh, okay. I'm going to put on lean mass. So it's just 500 extra calories. Mm. You know, like you can go online and it'll give you like, you know, you can find any equation or, you know, to to plunk in to say, oh, well, so for, for lean, for lean mass gain, you need to eat like your BMR times 20. Right. Okay. But that doesn't work for everyone. So are you saying like they're jumping up too quickly? That it, it, it's dependent on the person, right? Yeah. so that you still should be tracking like what your weight is and the and the weight increase also that correlates with the progression that you're having with your training so if you're so if you are if you're if your training isn't progressing so say that you aren't um your weights aren't going up like Mm -hmm. are you tracking if your weights are going up too um are you progressing with training 
with, with that? <clears throat> or is everything staying the same? And then what's happening with your food intake? So I think mm -hmm. that people just think it's like, there's this, just this oh, like I see what you're caloric saying. intake yeah. that automatically means that you. Yeah. Er everything else matters. Right? Yes. Yeah. So really you have to be in, and I say this, I say this all the time. I'm like, one of the most metabolically demanding things for adult humans is putting on lean body mass. It's like healing from major trauma. Um, it would be like another one where you need a ton of calories. And probably the next thing would be putting on lean body mass. You have to be in caloric surplus without a yeah. doubt. Your body's just like, it, it really serves no purpose to put on lean body mass other than it's a response to stress, right? It's like the stress of breaking down that muscle tissue. So really nothing else has to be going on. Like you have to be in a very low stress state, generally speaking, and you have to have a surplus of calories. Yeah. Predominantly protein to a certain degree. And you can reach sort of a maximum amount of intake where it really doesn't matter anymore. Um, and carbohydrates. And carbohydrates. And carbohydrates. Right? So, but I think that it's like um, people don't um, realize that it isn't just a fixed number yeah, for a caloric surplus, no. that it's, that it's something that it might go up and down. And there's a, a lot of other factors that affect that. Um, so like your activity outside of the gym. So your, your non-exercise activity that also affects like your, whether, you know, you're eating enough food, whereas people think it's just the gym. Right. Yeah. You're saying if you have too much non-exercise activity, it can reduce your yes. gains. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll use myself as a primary example. So I know my maintenance calories are in and around 3000 really depends on what I'm doing. Um, I hit that really regularly. I train really regularly. I don't do a ton of cardio. I do some, um, and I'm kind of stuck at about 200 pounds, 200, 205. Right. Um, for me to gain more lean body mass, um, I would have to, what, what do you think that is the number one factor why I don't gain lean body mass? I think you know. Because. Because I don't fucking sleep. Well, <laughs> that's that. And yeah, and I mean, you're, you, by far, you're like, your hunger is pretty intermittent too. Yeah. Like you don't yeah. have a huge hunger drive all the time. Like I think, like, let's say my goal was to, and so, here's a couple factors too. Like I've been training for a long time. So I think I'd put myself into that category of I'm not having newbie gains. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to accumulate. I'm not going to have recomposition. I'm already relatively lean. So for me to gain lean body mass, I'd have to be like probably up at about 4,000 calories, probably absolutely do no cardio. And at the, at the expense of body composition too, like yeah. I'd probably gain a lot of body fat and I'd probably gain, lean body mass right but i'm sort of that's where i would have to go and so and then on the other end of the spectrum if we talk about lean mass gain too um for people who carry a huge amount of body fat so say like i think for for women if you're close to like say 25 percent, 30 percent body fat and for men it's anywhere from like 22 to 25 percent mm -hmm. um it's actually um being in a caloric surplus usually so um so being in a caloric surplus at that percentage of body fat um you're more likely to gain body fat yeah. in a surplus than gain lean mass so that's true for those people it's actually a good idea to change your body composition first and do mm -hmm. 
and and mm. lose some body fat and then once you get into that range like for women is about 20 percent body fat and men is about or like women 20 24 i think 24 percent body fat and for men around 20 that's a good place to gain to, to move into a surplus to yeah. gain lean this mass. is like a whole different topic but i like yes it. um and it is a bit of a double-edged sword yes totally like, uh, no, not, not double-edged sword. What I'm looking for double standard. Yes. Yes. That's the word I'm looking for. That's yeah. when like hiring a coach becomes really beneficial. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I think a lot of people get really confused about that too. It's like, when should I cut? When should I bulk? And mm-hmm. it's like, and there's specific times for sure. And the other thing that happens too, is when people are in a surplus, they just think they can eat whatever the fuck they want mm-hmm. all the time. Right. And something that I have definitely learned over the past year is that, no, it needs to be just as controlled and just as monitored as being in a caloric deficit. Yeah. It has to, it's like, it's it's the exact flip side, except for you're monitoring everything in a surplus. Right. Yeah. Because it can totally get out of control. It's very easy to get out of control. Yeah. Like the downward spiral can be really fast. Hey, so going yeah. back to, yeah. so let's say the client or the person who has a higher percentage of body fat. Yes. So why is it important for them to cut first? What's the reason? Like why wouldn't, why aren't they not gaining body, like uh, lean body mass if they're in a caloric surplus? Why? What's the difference? So let's say there's a guy who's 200 pounds, but he's like 25% body fat. And then there's me and I'm 200 pounds, but I'm like, I don't know, 10, who knows? Um, what's the difference? Why would that guy not gain lean body mass? Say it, just spit it out. I know you know it. Why are you- I don't know what you're fishing for because there's a like insulin resistance. Oh, okay, yeah. insulin resistance. Yeah. That's I was, the whole I was point. like, I was like, I'm not. I'm not totally not trying to put you on the spot. No, I thought it was like no. there's like a no. There's no trick. No trick. I thought there was like trick a answer. Trick. No, no tricks here. No. So insulin resistance. Yes. that's really what it comes down to. And you know, in the past. And I'll be really transparent on this. I've been really guilty of saying, hey, if you're not diabetic, it doesn't fucking matter. You got a pancreas pumping out insulin, pumping out glucagon. No, you're not insulin resistant. It doesn't matter. But just as with everything, there's always a degree on the spectrum, right? Mm -hmm. And the more, so your body fat is an organ in and of itself. And it secretes a lot of different hormones and it affects your insulin sensitivity. Insulin sensitivity plays a huge role in anabolism and hypertrophy right and the more body fat you have the more likely you are to accumulate body fat in caloric surplus right? yeah the leaner you are and this is the total double standard and people can get mad about it if they want but it, it is what it is the leaner you are the more the less likely you are to put on body fat yeah would you not agree with that yeah i agree i'm like people can't see but i'm like staring at christine yeah <laughs> nodding. she's like yes <laughs> Hey, look, we're getting a package on Sunday. That's totally bizarre. Yeah, it is. Yes, it's here, buddy. It's here. Drop it. Taking a picture of. Sorry, we got a mail guy. He's taking a picture of our house. He's taking a picture of the package. No, of the house, actually. Yeah, I took a picture of our house number. (laughs) Intermission. (laughs) Intermission, yeah. Intermission time. What is it? What is it? We're going to take this break from our hypertrophy talk. Open package. It's actually interesting. 
Oh, you got a new book. I got books. My got nerd, books. I got books. You're going to like this because you So. The Mineral Fix. Yeah. By Dr. James D. Niccolo Antonio. <laughs> so I think that's how to say his last name. He's the guy who wrote The Salt Fix. Oh, got it. Yeah. yeah. So he wrote that's a big ass book on the mineral fix. Yeah, no kidding. Holy shit. Looking at a lot of references in there. Oh my god. Well, it's like half a book of references. Yeah, it's like 500 pages, and then there's like a bazillion, like another 200 pages of references. It's interesting. Um, I follow him on Instagram. Um, he his content is pretty good. Sometimes it's a little bit wacky when it comes to the nutrition. Um, but he does seem to know his stuff, especially when it comes to salt and minerals. So um, I thought I'd just do a little nerd out on that. So, um, so I was just going to actually talk about how long. So I've been building this year since October, yep. since last October. Yep. And how long it's gotten, how long it has taken me to get to 2,400 calories. What do you mean how long it's taken you? Well, I mean, yes, I was, I was reverse dieting. Oh, I see. Right. But I just now I'm at 2,400 calories. Well, that's what we were actually going to talk about. I think yeah. initially was the whole reverse diet, how long that takes. So that's so, a very nice segue. Yeah. So it is now the end of March. So that's like basically, well, actually December, January, February, March. So it's taken me, yeah. So it's taken me like four and a half months. Yep. to get <clears throat> to 2,400 calories from, from what? Well, when I like the, so when I was, of course, like the last week of prep, like right before it was like Toronto. Yeah. I think it was at like 1100. So of course I was super low. That was, that's actually, I would say that's, that's like three to four months is pretty a short period of time to reverse someone. Um, and, but then the, like the following week afterwards, I think I was up to like 1600. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say yeah. 1100 is like not typical, not no. sustainable. No one should be doing 1100 no. unless they're doing a contest. And that was just like contest prep, right? At the yeah. very, very end that last week. Um, but then the week following, I was back to 1600. So, so from 16, so see, we see lots of clients coming into the consult at 1600. Yeah. Pretty yeah. typical. So like from a female point of view, um, and only because we see more females than males, but like that's pretty typical. 1600, you know, having issues around 1600 calories. It's like, okay, we need to reverse diet them. And we could, we could get into talking about the whys, but let's just talk about the numbers. From 16 to 24. Yeah. Is very typical 24 is a good number but it's been really yes. controlled for you and your body yeah. composition has been maintained really well yes right it's like no you're not stage lean no you're you look vastly different from this point last year yeah and so i mean i can this point last year how much were you eating Three thousand calories <laughs> plus one day that had an extra thousand yeah it was a little bit obnoxious which and it had there were there was no um, there was no control with that either. There was no, no, there were like, I wasn't monitored with that. It was mm -hmm. just like, just eat these two really big numbers. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, you you did gain lean body mass. Yeah, but mostly fat. Yep. And so I think this year has been a little more successful because it's been more controlled. Yeah, and it's like if you think about it, like my my maintenance calories are probably like I'm probably only eating like 250 or 300 calories above maintenance. Yeah. For, for building. Yep. So it's not a, it's not a huge amount. Yeah. But I'm very, very specific too about, about timing carbohydrates around my training. Yeah. Too. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, the time on reverse. So we get clients asking about this a lot, right? It's like, how long will it take me to get my calories back up? Or how long will I have to reverse? Here's a good question. How long do I have to be in a reverse until I can cut? <laughs> uh, these eyes just got really big <laughs> yeah so that's, that's like, a hole of worms right there can of worms bowl of worms yeah the problem is is it, it well i mean it's not the problem but it really depends on like how long you were in the deficit what it looked like how steep it was like where you're at now at maintenance how are things going like Yes. You can't, you can't reverse and then go right back into a deficit. You completely, it just, it will not work. You, you may not respond. You could even see things, you know, you could even gain a little bit of weight. Like yes. the body, the body will adapt to where it spends the most time. So yes. after, you know, it's, it's very into individual, individually based, I'd say, mm-hmm. um, but like it's months and months, like three, yes. four, like sometimes six months to a year. Yes, for sure. With the clients we see for sure. If yeah. somebody's coming in to a consult and they've been under eating and relatively overtraining, and for if they've been doing that for a long period of time, it is going to take a long period of time yeah. to get back to normal. And I use normal in quotes, and that's like, you know, healthy hunger signaling, good quality sleep. Yeah. Um, you know, recovery from training, whatever your training might look like. That's, I mean, yeah. I haven't even touched on body weight or body composition yet, right? You have to be in a good place before that can change. And I think that's actually what Amanda was kind of asking about. I mean, her question was hormones slash thyroid health around training and nutrition. That's like a really big open-ended question. Um, and I'm just assuming she's talking about... Um, maybe some reverse dieting there or where your hormones are at, right? Um, when we see clients that need reverse dieting, what do the hormones generally look like? Uh, they're a mess. They're a mess. They're a mess. Usually they're a mess. And I, I know- like periods are going wonky. They're not sleeping. If they do have periods, PMS is, you know, not in a good place. Mm-hmm. Lots of things. They're, they're not yeah. recovering, you know, irritable mood, all yeah. that stuff. With guys, it's like super low libido, mood yeah. swings, inability to put libido on. Libido is a big one. Libido is huge. It's that huge. a lot of people don't talk about. I know. We talk about it all the time. I know you're yeah. really good at, you know, here's a question. It's a total tangent. What do you think? Because um, we were talking about client and client load. Um, male versus female. What is your percentage? Of how many males I have versus female? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I have like... I think I have, I'm just trying to count. He's, Alex. I think I have about 
five females or five males and the rest are females and I have oh, okay. 35 clients. Right. And I, so I thought you might've had more males. Okay. That's five to six. Most of yeah. my females are clients or okay. most of my clients are females. <laughs> <laughs> All your females are clients. Yeah. Um, yeah, actually that's probably about the same percentages as me too. Um, for some reason I thought you might've had more. Um, I only have a couple guys too. Yeah. Do I have three, four? But the thing is, is like, I think reverse dieting, people think it's like a female based thing. And it's like, not at all. Like I have males that I am reverse dieting Mm -hmm. um, that have come with me with like, you know, libido issues, low testosterone issues, and they've been under eating for a long period of time and it's necessary, but it, it often comes from like the female population because they're under eating so badly. Yeah. But it's very important for males too. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, the number one thing that's going to crash your guy's testosterone Mm-hmm. under eating and sleep deprivation for sure mm-hmm. like those yep. two things but calories like low calorie intake would be there and then the first sign and symptom is probably low libido i see yeah. it all the time performance-based or like athletes. no morning erections like that's a that's, big one that's a big one too yeah mm-hmm. actually i think you you have that question on your client intake form don't you i do yeah yeah which I, I don't have it on mine but i'm just like yeah i mean you might as well start talking i straight up her. talk about it on our first call yeah, that's good. I talk about like, is this a new thing? Like I'm, I'm very, I tell, they know, like I'm open. We talk about libido, like all of that. Yeah. I mean, I think it's with guys, this is only like, you know, tell me if I'm wrong. Um, with guys, it's more of a telltale symbol of what's the sign, I guess, of what's going on from a physiological point of view yeah. with women. It can be far more complex. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Libido is not, so a low libido is not always a sign of let's say poor nutritional health. Would you agree with that? Yeah. And, okay. But it ebbs and flows a lot with females Yeah, because of our, our hormone fluctuations. Like it'll be high around ovulation, low prior to our period, like things like that. So it can ebb and flow a lot. Whereas like a male, you know, they don't have those really those high and lows of hormonal fluctuations. So when there's a libido issue there, I would say it's more prominent of like a, a hormone imbalance. Totally. I agree too. Well, yeah. especially for women too. Um, you can look at like what we've been taught by society too, that we, it needs yeah, to be that's a big one. Yeah. And so it can be like more of a, like um, a psychological thing for women too, mm-hmm. as opposed for men. It's just like, it's just, how men are right yeah. that's how just how guys are from a society, yeah. point, right? of view, society yeah. point of view so i mean yeah. there can definitely be like <clears throat> um a level of psychological issue with libido for women true okay i think like the thing with libido is it can look different for everybody yeah, yeah. i think totally. the biggest thing there is if there's a you know like drastic decline or if there's nothing there at all whereas yeah. like someone's libido you know, whether they're having sex with a partner or themselves, like maybe that's once a week and that's good enough for them or every two weeks. And that's good enough for them. That's healthy for them. That's their normal. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Whereas like, no, yeah, there is no, you know, it's, normal. it's yeah. so different with everybody. I, I would say just the problem it can become when it's, there's no desire. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. No, I don't disagree with that. Um, Yeah. Where are we going with that anyways? Where did we start on the whole libido thing? Well, from 
reverse dieting. Reverse dieting. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. It's a topic we're talking yeah. about. So yeah, that's a big one. Um, I mean, and we're, I mean, we're talking about building lean mass too and yeah. reverse dieting. And I mean, one of the biggest things for putting on lean mass is the fact that um, it's fine. Like it's either people are eating too much and they're not, they, they're, they don't have the right numbers because they're in too much of a surplus or they believe that they are in a surplus, but they're actually under eating still. And that's why you need a coach. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause it, it can be, you know, I think if somebody, if somebody wanted to like, they're like, Hey, I'm not going to hire a coach. I'm, I'm pretty smart. I can figure out this macro shit on my own. I don't disagree. Um, it's really not that difficult, but I think if you starting, if you, if you're starting, if you want to navigate a reverse diet, I do believe you truly need a coach because there's lots of pitfalls you can run into. And I'm not saying that to like trying to sell anything. Cause you know, I'm a shitty salesman. Anyone's listening, but it's like, Reverse dieting can be a difficult route to navigate for sure. 100%. Yeah. And it's because we run on emotion when it comes to food. Yeah. Totally. Right. And so it's like, well, but I, but I feel this way. Whereas you need some often need a coach to like point you in the right direction because they're um, subjective about it. Yeah. I think like a big thing in reverse dieting too, is that like, it's normal to put on weight and that's really uncomfortable for a lot of people, you know, coming yep. from a dieting mentality or like in a deficit or something, um, you know, so if you're doing it on your own and you're gaining weight, it's going to be very easy for you to just call it quits and go back into a deficit when you're not ready. Totally. And so to yeah. have the coach there to like educate you and help you through that process is, is good. Invaluable. Yeah. yeah. It's like you have that one variable. It's like that number on the scale and you see it going up. Yeah. It's and, the, to, and to that person, it's like, oh my God, this is a negative, but they don't, they fail to see all the other positives. It's right. like your sleep is good. Your libido is good. Your training is like crazy. Your strength mm -hmm. is awesome. You're putting on lean body mass. Um, and you might be maintaining a good body composition i know that's subjective but it's like okay you're not stage lean you're not ripped to the gills with like a 16 pack but it's like you're you have better body composition than 99 percent of the public but all they see is that number on the scale and they're just yeah. like oh my god this is terrible majority, majority of my check-ins with my reverse diet clients is like just reassuring them and like pointing them in at the things that you know are progressing which there's so many but they get hyper focused on like one thing yeah. and so reverse dieting is so mental and that's really hard to overcome yes on your own like i know myself if i was in that situation like i would need somebody yeah well you well it is hard and I mean, mm -hmm. you've had a very successful off season so far yeah but i, I but, but it's, there's definitely times there's when times. i when i struggle with where yeah. i'm just like Oh God, I just feel like a potato. Yeah, you send yeah, exactly. me like texts of potatoes. Or and baby hippos. Baby hippos. And I'm like, <laughs> you're not a potato. No. You're not a baby hippo. Yeah. No, but it definitely is like, <clears throat> because even right now where I'm at with like body composition, it's not this, it's necessarily bad, but my body fat is a little bit higher than what I like it to be at, where mm -hmm. I feel comfortable. Yeah. But I love the fact that my sleep is like right dialed and I, I get to eat, like I get tons of variety in food and I, you know, I, I 
it's really, really not stressful about, you know, thinking about food or, um, and your training and my training is like progressing. And I'm like, I can see like physical changes in my body. And, um, but then it's like, at the same time, it's like, what my, those other pants are far more comfortable. (laughs) Right. Or, um, you know, there's just like, or I'll put my like posing suit on for, to do check-in photos. And I'm like, like posing suits look really, really good when you're really lean, when you're (laughs) stage lean, not necessarily when I'm doing check-in pictures to me. Is that why you were mad this morning? No, I wasn't mad this morning, but it's like, (laughs) but that's like to me, but it's like, I know that I'm like, it's, it's just a, it's, it's like a personal thing, right. Where the majority of the time I'm like, feel really, really good. But then, you know, you just have days where you're just like, Oh God, I just feel like I do. I feel like a potato, but. And that's why you need a coach. It goes back to that. That's. And then that's like when I send my check-ins to my coach, like to John, of course he views things very differently because he's not coming at it from an emotional aspect. He's looking at it as in like, you know, he's very like analytical and he's like looking at my physique and, and seeing that my body composition is staying really good. And this is where I need to be. And so he's very reassuring with it. Like you're on the right track. You know, you're not a dump truck, you know, you're like, so, I mean, I think we all struggle with it. Yeah. Everyone struggles with it when you're in a surplus and you're carrying a little bit more body fat than what you're comfortable with. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think, um, People who are not competitors who need to be reverse dieted even are, I would say, from an emotional point of view, behind the eight ball even further. Because as a competitor, you understand. You're like, okay, this is a situation I put myself in. I understand why I'm here. I understand what I have to go through. But people who inadvertently get into that situation, then they don't really understand the whole reverse diet and what's going to happen. Where am I going with this? And why? So it's like even more important. So. And I think too, with like reverse dieting, it's like in the beginning, you always feel like you look worse before things get better. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, things kind of get shitty for a bit before your body adapts and things level out. Yeah. Like it's those first few transition weeks where it's like, you know, they're, they've gone from, you know, feeling really and the thing is too is like okay so if you're eating in a in a pretty significant caloric deficit you're probably going to feel tighter and you're and you're you know you're not carrying as much food in your belly either because your food your food volume is 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 a lot lower yeah so of course you're like you know through the abdomen you're going to feel a bit like leaner and tighter and there's not as much food in my stomach and blah 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 right yeah and as soon as you start to add food volume, like people will, like Christine, do you ever have people that say, oh, yeah. oh now I feel so bloated. Yes. And it's like, you're not bloated. You just have more food in your belly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so for the first little bit, it can take, it can, it can take a bit for people to adapt to that and to get used to that feeling of mm-hmm. having more food volume, whereas they think that it's making them feel fat and bloated. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that there's always that transition period at the beginning where it's like, okay, well now I feel worse, right? Yeah. You're making me eat extra food. Now I feel worse. Yeah. yeah. I think that's pretty typical. Oh yeah. Sure. For sure. That's very common. Cool. You guys, what do you think? We're wrapping it up. 
Anything we missed? I'm really hungry. <laughs> You're, speaking of food. Yeah, I'm hungry too. Oh, I ate breakfast at the fire hall, so. I didn't. And I have a console. I'm, I'm pretty much Betty Crocker at this point. You are? Yeah, you're cooking up a storm these days, for sure. I went from the crappiest cook ever to really just like making a goal to get better at it. So, and you're good. It's been months, yeah. and I'm getting good. So, I'm, I'm enjoying it now. <laughs> nice. And now I'm at a stage in my life where I'm like, I don't want to cook. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we're pretty- I'm like, I'm like, I want to make it as easy and as simple and as boring as possible <laughs> because. Yeah, I'm just at that stage where I, I spent so many years doing all of that, especially just with having kids, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I think about the amount of hours that I spent like making food and cooking and like, oh, no, yeah. No home cooking. No, no, I get nothing. No, nothing. nothing. I come in the door from work and there's nothing. Just a bowl, <laughs> just a bowl of hot water. Just a bowl of hot a water fork. and a fork. That's all I get. <laughs> Yeah, no skills, no cooking yeah. skills anymore. So. But it's always exciting, like when that happens too, because like when you start to become interested in cooking and like making food, because you realize that it's actually not as hard as you once thought it was. It will, not at all. Right? <laughs> yeah. What's, what's, uh, Some what's the, things are. What's, yes. What's the best thing you've ever made lately? Uh, I made this like fruit crumble. Oh yeah, I and remember seeing you post that. Like yeah. it was with no, I I made another one. It was like peaches oh. and blueberries, and then the crust was like um, oat flour with like ghee butter, and so oh, it was delish. Are you like breaking it down into macros, or you just don't fucking care? Um, I will sometimes. I'm not counting macros right now, but like oh. I'll throw it in there just for. So I have like a recipe thing for my clients, so I'll like throw it in there just for them. But nice, nice, yeah. We, just, make, are you just, we make apple or we make berry crisp in the air fryer. Yeah. Mm, yeah. It's actually amazingly good. It's really good yeah. in the air fryer. Yeah. So you're just intuitively eating right now. Yeah. Nice. I like it. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Okay. Well, let's get on with our day. And um, all, right. all right. I'll talk to you later.